Well, good morning. Good morning. Praise God for for uh, people who hear from Him um, and who've walked with Him longer than I have. Because it's so encouraging when you're sitting there at midnight and you've got all the pieces to a sermon and your wife's sitting there full of wisdom and you're trying to help, she's trying to help you piece it together like a puzzle. And she finally just looked at me and said, hey, listen, I, I can sit here and we can talk about this all night. But at the end of the day, you just got to hear from the Lord. And she walked out. And I was like, dang. I was like, all right. I see how you do it. So, you know, you're always learning, right? You're always learning. Even if the wife is the one who has to teach you these lessons sometimes. But it was so encouraging. It was so encouraging to walk in this morning and to hear the voice of the Lord on each and every heart. This morning, anybody that I've talked to or listened to this morning, I feel like is at the same heartbeat with what God is saying to his church right now in this season. This isn't a Midland crisis, this coronavirus thing or the oil field dropping. Okay, this isn't just a a Texas thing as we have so much oil here in Texas. This isn't an American thing as our as our nation and stuff is trying to go into proactive mode to prevent an outbreak. This is a worldwide spiritual thing. All across. It's, it's affecting China, South Korea. I mean, you name any nation right now, any continent, is being affected by coronavirus. And I find it so humbling that the Lord would appoint me for such a time as this. To stand right here. Listen, I look across the room, and there is not anybody in this room that I would say don't know the Lord. And that's perfect, because what I have for this morning is not for the lost. It is for the saved. It is for the ones who are called by God, by His name, by His blood, to do His mission. And I stand here humbled, because every time I get asked to preach, I know that there's people like Ronnie Maben who've done this for a whole lot longer than I have, who've walked with the Lord, sowed seeds in the Lord, who stand back there and has so much more he could teach me personally from just a man-to-man, iron sharpens iron type concept. But yet, the Lord has called me for such a time as this. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not insufficient or, or beating myself up here. What I'm saying is, is when I stand in front of people like you, I'm humbled and honored to be somebody who gets to share the gospel, that you would listen to the words that come out of my mouth. I know that they're the Lord's and that they're anointed, but as a man, thank you. I'm humbled by your your holiness and your righteousness. So this morning we're going to talk a little bit. If you're going to take notes, trust me, I, I wrote three pages, three pages, so uh, you can follow along hopefully pretty well. If you're going to take notes, the title of this message is going to be Give Me Hope. Give Me Hope. Um, and I'll, and I'll go into this a little bit and explain what's happening. In the beginning of the year, Pastor Ashley shared a message that talks about cleaning up our wells. Okay, we're talking about the wellspring of life that's in each and every one of us. She talked about sometimes the waters in these wells can become stagnant. There could be old dreams that have died in there that's causing the waters to be toxic to you. There can be hurt and pain in these wells. Again, the internal well of your life your mind, will, your emotions, your soul, your spirit. And then it's time that we focus this year on cleaning up some of these wells. That there's some things in there that the Lord's saying, hey, it's 
we got to get some fresh and living water flowing in you again. And this spoke to me tremendously because I've been in a season of hopelessness. Been in a season where dreams have been crushed. And I've been burnt out. Just to be honest with you guys. I'm not a perfect Christian. If anybody was thinking I was. <laughs> Trust me, the students know it. They're not even here this morning. But the students know I'm not perfect. And so when, when I heard that, that word come across of, it's time to do some well maintenance. I was reminded again about the scripture that I got in um, at the beginning of the year when we did a fast. We had our 48 mop, which is, if you weren't here, 48 minutes of prayer. Okay, so we came here on a Wednesday night. We all prayed as a group. And we asked the Lord for our word for the year, if you were praying for your personal word for the year. And also, a corporate word for the year. And mine, my personal word was this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it said this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. I'm going to read that again and then I'm going to finish it. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So my word for the year was confident hope. Confident hope. And as Bethany and I try to, to steer our lives in the way God is leading us and calling us, I'm stuck in a very real and vulnerable place with you this morning because the Lord told me to talk about hope and faith and I asked the Lord, how can I have hope in a hopeless situation? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going to give up, but I think there's moments in our lives, like right now, worldwide, where people who don't have hope are losing their mind. Losing their mind. I was reminded a, a few weeks ago, my brothers had the opportunity to pray with uh, my dad's side of the family. We don't know where some of these people stand and, and, and with the Lord, but when they walked in, they both said you could feel the difference for those who had faith and those who didn't. You could feel the ones who had hopelessness weighing down on them. And so in the middle of the Lord working with me through hopeless, I wanted to speak to you guys a little bit about this this morning for our whole situation, our whole economy, our, our coronavirus, the worldwide. But the, I had to ask myself, what do I do with hope in a hopeless situation and what causes hopelessness? That's where I want to start today. Is hopelessness. And John actually preached the following week after Ashley and spoke on this, well, didn't speak it, but mentioned this proverb, and it struck my heart like an arrow. And the Lord started to open this up and reveal to me about hope. And it's this, Proverbs 13, 12. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope Deferred makes the heart sick. I played football. Any other old-time uh, glory days in the house? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? If you played football, you had the captains at the beginning of the game go out to the middle of the field. 
You can watch the Cowboys. They lose not only the game, but the toss just about every Sunday. Okay? They go out there. And whether you're the home or the visitor, somebody calls it. He flips a coin in the air. Heads. Well, sure enough, Cowboys, it's tails. The other team, what do you want to do? Now, if you win the toss, you get an option. You can take the ball right then. Or you can defer to the second half. Which means to put off. To, to move it to the second half, we're going to take the opportunity and be smart, strategic. Okay, that's a smart way to defer. Sometimes in our life, defers happen when we don't want them to. And it usually happens with our dreams and our hopes. And now, if you look at Webster's Dictionary of Hope, it's just like a strong wish, a strong desire. But that's not what Jesus and the Bible teaches about hope. It's a confidence Right? We'll get into Hebrews 1, 11.1. It's a confidence that we walk in of the things hoped for. The things that Jesus promised. It is our hope, our desire that he will fulfill his promises. We don't have to second guess that because we're not the promise keepers. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, so if I'm looking at hope, what kills hope is a, is a hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I started thinking this. What, what are some areas in our hearts that might make our heart sick if this happens? And, and we talk, one, it's rampant today, fear. Fear. I was in the grocery store yesterday. Probably all of you at some point this week have been in the grocery store. You wake up like I did trying to do a Saturday morning waffles like we do. And uh, there's no milk. There's no eggs, right? Luckily, my wife's smarter than I am. She makes waffles and freezes them. So I still got my waffles. <laughs> Praise Jesus. But at some point that day, we had to go to the store. And so here it is, 4 o'clock, we go to the store, and I walk in, and people just doing weird things. you got limitations, rations, it's a, it's a whole other thing. I mean, you guys have experienced it. But what I felt in the spirit was the hysteria brimming on my mind. I was like, it, it'll take just one tip, and this thing will blow up. Like, people will just lose their mind and hurt one another if somebody just comes at it with one wrong attitude, it's happening. But, I mean, you could just feel the tension in the room was just so palpable. And I was like, man. And I had a funny story. I told the, some of the people this morning, some guys ran in. There's three of them. One dude jumped right in line. Another dude went right. Another dude went left. And they're running. And I get in line. My wife's shopping. I got the cart. This guy's just waiting. No cart, no nothing in his hand. He's just waiting. He's in the line in front of me. And he gets right up to the thing, and these dudes come barreling in with the cart, and they, whoo, whoo. He's like, man, I thought I was going to have to get out of line. And these dudes are like, we're not even trying to survive, man. We're just trying to get the essentials for a good old barbecue tonight, man. <laughs> so they had the strategy. They walked in, you got to do this, this doomsday shopping with threes, okay? <laughs> doomsday shopping in threes, right? So that was a funny one, but there was another one that, that, you know, the fear's there. The, and there's some funny things that are happening about toilet paper. Why toilet paper? Nobody knows. But I saw another girl in the line in front of me as well. And I've never seen it like this. And it took me a second. I was by myself. My wife was going to get in some, some drinks or something like that. Ice cream. That's right. The priorities. We were going to get ice cream. And uh, there was a girl standing in front of me. And along her forearms was just scars. Um, I mean, from crease of the elbow to the wrist, both arms. 
And I thought to myself as I was thinking about my message and, and the Lord just hope, hopelessness. A young girl losing hope in her life. Of uh, Another hope killer, whether it be fear, is disappointment or unmet expectations. Maybe this girl thought that just be, people would be nice. She had a, had a hope and, a, and a, an idea that people would be nice to her and it wasn't met when she was at school or in sports or whatever she was doing. Maybe another hope, something that's killed hope in you is, is pain, physical pain. When you're hurting all the time and it just constantly is wearing you out. Another hope killer it could be uh, loss. You know, death is, is a big unexpected event sometimes. Sometimes you know it's come, sometimes you don't. And it can knock the wind right out of you. And it can strip you of hope. Again, when you, you get the, the extended sufferings, when I'm talking about when you're in a situation that just won't give, won't budge, you can't have that breakthrough, that extended suffering can just drain you slowly of hope. And so we know that a hope, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. So how do we get hope in a hopeless situation? Now this is where my notes are going to go, okay? Because again, I told you, this is what the Lord's doing in my heart. So if it don't make sense this morning, that's okay. I still need to learn and grow, all right? But I'm going to try to explain what the Lord's teaching me about hope, all right? So if you'll turn with me to John 14, we're going to read a little bit. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. I want to talk to you about hope. Hope and faith. John chapter 14, this is right after the uh, disciples are talking with Jesus. And, and he says he's going to leave. He's, he's telling them, I'm going to the cross. And Peter asks, where are you going? And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Okay, this is where he predicts Peter's denial. And then he explains it to Peter. And then after he's done explaining it to Peter, he explains it to all the disciples. Okay, so that's where we're at in John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. It says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now, of course, if you're like me, Philip, Thomas, these guys are all saying, No, we don't, Lord. We don't know the way, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus makes his sixth I am statement in the book of John, and it's a threefold statement, and it says this in verse 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. So again, it takes a while for us humans to get this whole kingdom business thing. In verse 9, Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We're going to finish John chapter 14 here in a minute. But I want to pause right there. This Christian life, humanity longs for one thing, right? But the the Christian life offers eternal life. That's the hope, okay? We're just going to... The reason you got saved is because at some point, somebody told you Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and gave you hope for eternal life after the grave. That is what we hope for. That is the glorious hope. That is what Jesus offers. Eternal life with Jesus. Now, here's a funny story I found on the internet about a a pastor shared in 1997. That was 23 years ago. I'm going to date myself. Yeah, right? Not, Not comfortable to hear that term. 23 years ago, a pastor shared this story. He said that God was talking to a very rich man, very wealthy man. He was a godly man. He did everything the Lord told him to do, but the Lord blessed him financially. And so he's, he's on his deathbed, and he's talking to the Lord, and he said, Lord, let me just take some of my worldly possessions, just a little bit. Now, this is fictional. This isn't theology, so follow me here. And the Lord thought that was a very curious thing to ask. So he said, okay, sure, I'll make this one exception. You can bring one suitcase full of whatever you want. He's like, oh, all right. So the day came, he, he breathed his last breath, and he comes strolling up, two hands on a luggage, big old thing, walking up to the pearly gates, and there stands Peter, and he says, sorry, man, I don't know if you got the memo, but you can't bring anything from earth. And he said, no, 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 check the list, man. God told me I have the exception. I got it in writing. Like, check it again. I, I have permission to bring this. So sure enough, Peter goes through the papers, and he looks, and he's like, well, dang, all right, yeah, come on in. He said, but before you come in, I've got to check what's in the suitcase. A little TSA thing right there, you know, Peter's running, <laughs> running security for heaven. And so he opens up the suitcase, and there lies a suitcase full of gold bars, just stacked to the brim, so heavy, full of gold bars. And Peter looks at the guy and says, you brought pavement? Why'd you bring pavement, right? And if you ever read Revelation 21, it talks about heaven is paved. The streets are paved with gold. Because something we value so much in our life is the foundation for things greater to be built upon in heaven. It talks about that there's jewels on the walls. It's so decorated and anointed. And you walk into the throne room, the floors, you know, you really can't understand Revelation. I don't. But you walk in to the throne room and the floor is like some sort of crystal. It's just this beauty thing. You see the angels flying, worshiping, singing holy. I mean, 
think about what heaven is going to be like. That's what we hope for. That's, that's the goal is in this life there will be many trials and tribulations. But do not fear for I have overcome the world and we have an invitation to eternal life. But listen, no matter what heaven looks like, the picture there in Revelation, whether you take it literally or metaphorically, is that the values, the worth that this world has to offer doesn't even compare to what heaven will bring. I want to remind you that heaven is the goal. And the reason there's a humanity has this hole in our hearts that we so long for when we live this life and we see things like coronavirus and the oil drop and and sickness and fear and pain and, and people hurting themselves. When we look at all this hopelessness out there, we have to remember people are searching. They're asking themselves, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this life than all of this pain and suffering. There's got to be some meaning to why I get up at 6 in the morning and come home in the afternoon to kids and it's all crazy and I got no toilet paper at the store, so how are we going to do this? You know, and I mean, there's got to be some meaning to all of this. And listen, heaven isn't an invitation for you to go live in a mansion. Hear me now. Jesus said he's preparing a place for you, but he's not just going to give you the house of your dreams so you can have all the money and go live frivolously like the life you wish you could do on earth. That's, that's the world's offering of what success and what happiness looks like. That you can just be free and live your life however you want and whenever you want and your time is your own again. That's not what heaven offers. That's not why the angels are singing. Heaven is the hope because God is there. Because God the Father, His presence is there. Eternal life with the Father is the hope of glory. That's the thing we long for so much is I want to touch Him. I want to see Him. I want to sit in His lap and call Him Papa. That's what my heart longs for. Is not to have streets of gold and a nice house in heaven. It's to be with God like I was created to be with God. That's why we're Christians. Because we have this hope that one day we will be able to sit in His lap and hold His face and just worship Him. That's the good news. Is that Jesus said, I will remove every barrier in your life. Every sin... I'll even take death out. The grave will not be able to hold you. I will make the way for you to get to the Father's lap and worship Him. And Jesus offers that. And that's the good news. It's the hope of salvation. And that's what people want. But we get stuck sometimes. And and this is a very, uh, very close word for me. You know, we get stuck in, in law that Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and in the Old Testament, God was in a geographical location. And you were not allowed to go to where God was, lest you die, because of your sin. And so Moses went up, you know the story, I'm not talking to anybody in here who doesn't know the stories. He goes up on the mountain, he brings down the Ten Commandments, he sets forth law, they build a tabernacle. Again, there's a geographical location where God is. And only once a year, one person 
gets to walk in and be in God's presence. In his, oh, that's what heaven is. It's God. All the time. Always. God. When we orphans feel like we're lost and alone in this hopeless world, God is there. And when we get to heaven, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sadness, no more disease, because our Father is always there. And when you're in the Father's house and He's home, no creak, no noise in the bathroom, no water pump going off or whatever is going to scare you, because when Dad's home, He's going to take care of it. But when you by yourself, everything scares you, even the coronavirus. When Dad's home, you're safe. What happened with Jesus? We need to get this. The veil tore. Yes. Jesus tells them, go, go back to John 14. We're going we're gonna to get back in this because it is so good and so important that you understand what you were called to do today. In the midst of coronavirus, in the midst of oil dropping, in the midst of the world going crazy, you have a mission. Amen. You have a mission. John 14 says, starting in verse 15, it says, If you will love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I don't know if you've ever noticed that word another. In the Greek, it's A-L-L-O-S. It means not only me, but another one, right? There would be two fighting for you, right? And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. Okay, Jesus is speaking about the cultural situation of he lives with you. There's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit living in you. They see God's power, His Spirit working around them, like the Red Seas, the plagues, like God in the tabernacle, but He's not in them. He's not living God indwelling, okay? And so He says this, He's with you now, but later will be in you. Again, these are letters in red, promises. If you can't take these to the bank, ain't nothing else worth anything. Okay, verse 18, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple that, that had that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not the world at large? Great question. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. It's not just for the Jews. All who love him, my father will come and make their home with him. 
Talk about, he's, remember he just said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am always. That's the goal. That's the hope. Verse 24, it says, Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. What a word for today. What a word. For, I give you this gift. Peace of mind and of heart. Flip over to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Listen, if you have hope, there's one thing you need to have hope. And if you don't have hope, this is the solution. Faith. You need faith. In a season of hopelessness, you need faith. So what is faith? We've got to answer that, right? Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that this life, this dwelling with God for all of eternity, that He is going to prepare a place. I have faith in that because I believe that will happen. Even if it's not currently my reality, my faith will declare it as though it is. Because... It is a promise from God. It is letters in red. Jesus says, I do not leave you as orphans. I must go to prepare a place for you. I must go to be with the Father. I must go to sit at His right hand and intercede on your behalf. But I will send somebody to be with you, in you. Believe it. Because if you know me, you know the Father. And we will make home. We will make residence. We will live Together. This is what Jesus is offering, right? And it takes faith. And, and if you're questioning and saying like, faith in what? Faith in who? Listen, I'll tell you what. If you have your faith right now in doctors and some chemist and a vaccine, stop it. You are called to live this life by faith, not by sight. If you are depending on the schools, and the government, and Donald Trump to keep your children safe, to keep your paychecks coming, stop it. You were called to have faith that God is your provider. You were called to have faith that He is a better father or mother than you could ever be, and He loves your children more than you could ever love your kids. It is by faith that you were saved through grace so that you could not boast. And it will be by faith and the work of God's hand that this world finds hope. His message, His words. It says here in 1 Corinthians, it says, who do we place our trust in? Who 
faith is trust is, a, is almost a synonymous word. You've got to trust God in order to have faith in Him. You've got to trust the Word, the Bible, in order to believe that it's true and have faith in it. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit and His work. So who are we placing our trust in? In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it's a very popular passage. You'll, you'll hear it at every uh, wedding. It says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. You jump down in that same passage to verse 12, and it says this, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. My favorite way to read this passage is this. If you, but we'll jump back to Corinthians. But if you look at John, 1 John 4, 16, you don't have to turn there. It says, we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. So you go back to Corinthians and you reread this and take love and put God. And you listen. God never gives up. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful. And God endures through every circumstance. These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and God. And the greatest of these is God, because God is love. So I'm, I'm asking you this morning, in a season of hopelessness, personally, and I think worldwide, we're seeing the lost have no hope to defeat the enemy's attacks. People you work with, people at the market, running after toilet paper, have no hope. That the Lord is going to take care of their butts. <laughs> Pastor John's not here. We can get away with that. <laughs> I wish I had that written down, but that was a spur of the moment thing. That was too good. Man, I'm proud of myself for that one. I'm not going to lie. Done derailed the message right there. <laughs> Just... But listen, listen, you were called to bring hope. And if we, just like when I walked into that supermarket and I could feel it tipping, if I give in to what the enemy is doing, where's the ones that are not? Because I'm not worried about, we can do this together. But it's going to take each individual link in the chain holding on to hope. And if you slip, that's why we are together, is to lift you up. But it takes a personal decision to say, I am going to trust what God has said. I am going to have faith in the word of the Lord, in Jesus Christ, and who he said he is. And I am going to dare to hope. In this life, we will have troubles. But take heart. Because he's overcome the world. That's how he starts John 14 is, take heart. 
Don't fear. And I want to I want to leave you with this as as we close. I'm going to give you keys to victory. I'm going to give you keys to victory. In Revelation, it says this, and they will overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no salvation. There is no hope without Jesus Christ shedding his blood. That is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knew this, and he willingly, with hope in his eyes, went to the cross because he knew what the end was going to be. The blood of the Lamb. So start there. We've been talking about this whole time. Faith. Confess, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord over your situation. Whatever it is, maybe it's not the coronavirus. Maybe it's not oil dropping. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's some of the stuff in your well that's been there since you were a kid. And it's time to dig it up. And it causes you to fall into hopelessness. Maybe that's what God's talking about. And he's saying, listen, the same keys to victory are yours. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Not his. Their, ours. Our testimonies. So go back to Proverbs I got three more scriptures, so bear with me. Go back to Proverbs 13, 12. You don't have to turn there, but we're going to go back. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Listen, whatever you went through, and I, and I start off with talking about how great Ronnie is, because we all know what a man of God he is. And I'm not joking. That's not, I respect that man. There has been so many things that Ronnie and Carlene have walked through. And God has fulfilled the promises. And in the situation of them enduring that, they now have a tree of life because they know God is faithful. And there is a tree of life planted right there in their hearts. And when they share those testimonies, that tree drop seeds into the hearts of the ones who have no hope and who are struggling to have faith. And when you hear faith comes by what? Uh, Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing. If we're struggling to have hope and we're struggling to trust and to have faith, then it is our job as church, as the bride of Christ, to share the stories, the victories, To drop seeds wherever we go because when they hear about how good God is for this person, well, if God did it for them, He can do it for me. And that faith comes alive. That trust gets renewed and they start hoping again and they start believing with confidence that God's already done it once here. He'll do it here and He'll continue to do it after me. 
We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It is by faith. Another scripture in Proverbs 15, 4, it says, Gentle words are a tree of life. Gentle words are a tree of life. And there's going to be people in the days to come. We don't know what's going to happen. The Lord says the word of the Lord is like a lamp unto my feet. It doesn't give me the destination. It just gives me the next step, right? So we walk obediently in that next step. And we trust God. We have faith that whatever's at the end is good because he's a good father. So we don't know what's going to happen. But I guarantee you, there's going to be people that you encounter who have zero hope, zero faith. And when they look to themselves to fix the solution, to be the solution, they quickly realize that they are inadequate to save themselves. There's two kinds of people, those who know they're lost and those who don't, right? And it takes those who don't know they're lost realizing that they are not sufficient enough to bring salvation for them or their family, and they'll surrender. They will turn to Jesus. In those moments when those people act out in hopelessness, because you can't expect them to walk like Christians when they don't have hope like we do. You can't expect them to be the light of the world when they ain't got a light inside. Okay? So walk in grace, walk in forgiveness, understanding. Let that be... Jesus, I'll go back one more time because I think this is important before I close. Let me find it real fast. Jesus teaches the disciples. He says this in 1334. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then he goes on to tell them how he's leaving. And then he tells us again, like, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what is, what is his commandment? It's love. Love each other. So as we walk in love and forgiveness and grace and mercy with the people who don't have hope, remember, a gentle word can plant a, seed, a tree, not just a seed, a tree of life. And we go back, in the middle of hopelessness, what does it take? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled, a hope, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The Lord spoke a word to me last night. And I'm going to share it. I I think it might just be for me, but I'm going to open it up for you guys. As I read John 14 where he says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send an advocate. I'm not going to leave you in orphans. I'm coming back. There is a real sense in my well, as I try to clean up my well, there is, a, is an issue with abandonment in my well. And so when the Lord says, hey, I got to go. All sorts of things get stirred up that is not good. That is not a spring of living water. And so I have to deal with that in my well. And the Lord said this to me last night, and I'm going to share it with you. Jesus left, but he didn't leave you. You are not alone in this, nor has he forgotten about you. A promise is a promise. I'm talking about, he said he's coming back. He said he's coming to get us. 
A promise is a promise. He sees, he hears, and he is working for your good. He is fighting, has fought, and will continue to fight for your breakthrough. He is coming to bring you home. That's what we hope for. That's the hole that's in our heart. That's what we've agreed to when we said yes to Jesus. is yes to eternal life with Him forever. That's the redemption story that we lost in God. In the garden was separation from God and man. And Jesus fixed it. We get to be back walking hand in hand with our Father. The created. The one who created us. And so in closing, I want to read this scripture over you. And I want to ask you this one question. Do you believe God can fix this? Whatever this is, general, population, personal, life, whatever it is, do you believe God can fix this? And I'll read this scripture in Romans fifteen thirteen. It says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll read it one more time because it's good. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust, you have faith in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads. I want you to just take a few minutes to worship Him, praise Him, thank Him. So people of Living Way Church, I commission you in the name of Jesus to go forth and be the light of the world. To bring hope to the hopeless. To set the captives free. To bring health to the sick. To bring Jesus to the lost. Go therefore and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to walk the way Jesus walked. May you go with peace. May you go with joy. And may you go filled with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.